0: Welcome to the Holding Out Hope podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about John 21. We're going to be talking about why we're sometimes not willing to listen to Jesus' advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to talk about whatever comes to mind. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. In his name I find, in his name my in his name find.
1: Welcome to the Holding Out Hope podcast. I'm joined again today by Josh. Hey guys, thanks for uh, joining us once again. This was a lot of fun recording last week. We're looking forward to joining you again for this extended discussion another time.
0: I uh, hope everybody out there is doing well uh, in this time. hope everybody's finding ways to stay sane. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, Um, Especially coming off the discussion of last week, you know, uh, with the idea of John in that passage pulling Mm -hmm. back the curtain and telling us, you know, here's the reason why I'm writing. Here's kind of the reason why uh, the scriptures are being written down. And that in combination with this passage we're going to be looking at today where Jesus comes and he sits and he talks with, you know, the disciples in a very intimate way. I thought it'd be a really cool idea, uh, you know, we thought it'd be a really cool idea to, to talk about times that God has kind of co- pulled back the curtain in our own lives mm-hmm. and spoke to us in a way that really, you know, was relevatory.
1: Yeah, that I think that's something we didn't make time for last week that would really, you know, put this, uh, help nail this home for people is that we're not talking about this as this theoretical idea that God does this or that he only did it through the disciples that right. were you know, recording his word or he was using to record his word. We're also talking about it being something he actually did he's doing in our lives. He'll use that word to do that in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I know for me, one story that really fits that idea is, you know, I, I went to Moody Bible Institute before coming out here to Colorado mm-hmm. and I spent, you know, two and a half years there and near the end of my time there, the fifth semester, you know, it was coming to a close. And I was really feeling, um, you know, it it was really hard for me to continue on. I was feeling a lot of, you know, uh, burden of the the pressure of school and, um, you know, whether I was going to be able to continue that. And, you know, also, I had gone to another Bible school before that, Frontier School of the Bible, um, you know, learned a lot there. And I spent uh, three school years there. And, you know, I I just got kind of tired of talking about doing ministry and not being able to actually go out and do it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I had things I was doing in Chicago. I was doing a little Bible study at a, you know, an old folks home, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not the same. I wanted to just dive in and spend, you know, the majority of my time doing that. So as I was thinking over these things, I was thinking, is it a wise decision to leave school? What, you know, could God be leading me towards? What would God, you know, want me to do in this situation? And, you know, I had a friend that I talked to right at the end of school. You know, everybody else had gone home for winter break, and there were like three or four of us still left on the floor. And I talked to him, and you know, I shared with him all of these my all of my concerns that I hadn't really shared with anybody else. And God really put me at peace through what He said because He told me, you know, if God is leading you away from here, He will have a place for you, mm. and He will put you in a place where you're able to serve him, no matter what, you know, it's not going to be something where this is a failure and you're not going to be able to continue onwards. If this is where God is leading you, he's going to have a place for you. And so I left there, um, in faith. Um, so I, I guess that's maybe even one instance there of God, right. you know, speaking to me through him, but it continues on, you know, going forward from there. So I left there at the end of December and starting into the new year, started, uh, looking at different churches, started applying for positions and got kind of far into the process with a couple of different churches, you know, both in Nebraska and Colorado. And uh, after I was, you know, told no, um, time after time, you know, it started getting discouraging. And I started, you know, thinking, maybe this wasn't the right decision. Maybe this isn't what God has for me. Maybe God wanted me to learn all that stuff at school and then, you know, maybe not put it to use and, you know, do something else. And so I was was really confused and and unsure as to what God's will for me was. And I, I was considering, you know, just kind of, Letting that pursuit of ministry kind of just fall to the wayside and, and mm-hmm. not continuing that, <laughs> and God used this passage that we're actually talking about today to pull back the curtain and speak to me in a really powerful way. You know, as I was reading the story of Peter, um, Peter has always really spoken to me as a person. Um, I feel like we have a lot in common, and you've said that before. Mm-hmm. But studying the story of his life and coming to this passage, it really felt like it was the situation that I was in in that time period where, you know, Peter spent all this time following the Lord and learning from him mm-hmm. and preparing to do ministry. And it comes to the end of the, the book of John here. And Jesus comes back to, to meet the disciples. And what do you see Peter doing? You see him, he's gone back to fishing, which is what he was doing before right. he went and joined Jesus.
1: And not the right kind of fishing.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah he, uh, you know, he was a fisherman before Jesus called him. And after spending all this time preparing, All this time that Jesus was preparing him for ministry, Peter's gone back to normal fishing that he, you know, had been doing. And I really felt the Spirit speaking to me through that passage saying, listen, if I've called you to ministry, you can't just go back to fishing. You just can't go back to Mm -hmm. what you were doing before I called you. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe that looks, you know, different than what you think it looks like. And that's something that, you know, God has really been speaking to me over the past you know year or so is maybe my vision of what I want to do is different from God's vision of what he wants me to do. But I really believe that he's called me to ministry in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's true, I have to pursue that. I can't go back to fishing. I can't go back to what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. No matter what that looks like, I have to keep going with that.
1: Yeah. And it's a question of faithfulness, right? Yeah. And Peter was a fisherman and the guys with him, several of those guys that were hanging out with him on the shore of the lake, as we're about to read, uh, were also fishermen. And they had decided that, yeah, Jesus had told them they would be fishers of men. uh, And they decided to go back hiding, really, from the concerns of men and being fishers of fish to provide for their own needs, uh, provide for their stomach, uh, or whatever it was. And so, yeah, it's a a question of faithfulness. And I think it was funny, you said, I identify with Peter, and you said that too. and, And I found that people of a variety of personality types and in various seasons of their lives can all identify with different figures in the Bible in different seasons. Absolutely. So you don't have to be exactly like somebody else for the, for both people to hear the Holy Spirit say, saying like, Hey, are you like so-and-so here? At times you're going to see yourself in Paul. You know, you're going to see yourself in Saul before Paul became, uh, Saul became Paul, where he was, and wanting nothing to do with Jesus and ridiculing the church. You're going to see yourself in Peter sticking your foot in your mouth or denying Jesus or boldly you know, taking, taking the truth of Jesus out there. And we all see ourselves in the characters, in the stories, in the scripture, even the same one in different ways. And the Holy Spirit uses that to go, are you this person right now uh, in your life? He I uses think the that's, same word to do that for each of us. I think that's such a special and cool way that he speaks to
0: us. And I think yeah. we have to pay attention to that. You know, if, we, if we're reading a passage and we say, wow, I really, you know, I commiserate with this character, you know, mm-hmm. or I, I really relate to the situation they're going through. I think that's the spirit speaking to us saying, look at what happens here and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we have to, and it's so cool to see that because it's the spirit mm-hmm. showing himself through
1: the stories that he's told right. to us. To show us what we should be doing, right? And it, it's one of the elements of community for those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, because we believe that the Holy Spirit is not something made up. It's actually He's actually a, a real, living, powerful, active um, entity, person living in our world. And so, you look at somebody who maybe isn't all that similar to you um, in a lot of ways, at least as the world would see it, and yet that person is going, well, "I really am learning from Peter here," and you can go. I did too. And there's that unity, that community that is brought about by God using his word um, to do what you just said. And I remember a couple of those kind of God pulling back the curtain things in my life, both of them, two of the most powerful, there's been uh, multiple, but two of the most powerful were actually when I was very new in my faith uh, and was in college. And I'd become a Christian as a 16 year old in high school as like a junior. Uh, And I really didn't, that was more of a heart decision than a head decision. I had learned enough from my pastor to feel comfortable with the decision, but my motivations were more relational and heart-led of like, I feel this is true. I, I, I feel that these people love me and I, I don't understand everything. And yet you go to college, especially a secular school, um, a public school. Uh, I went to the University of Central Florida and I took both political science and physics courses. So I was in the sciences as well as political science. And there were so I like to say that my degree there ended up being political science and a minor in physics. But my really degree was in worldviews in the way other people see the world, what they believe. And in that time, uh, two of those really stand out to me. One was I almost became a Muslim, so I got to hanging around about my first or second year with the Muslim Student Association and getting in debates with people. And I had some really well-meaning people, though, that were convincing me that um, it was actually sacrilegious to claim that God had a son and that God would actually be angry. And it was a real crisis of faith for me because I was going— I don't want to mistakenly follow this Jesus guy that God is really angry about all this. I, I want to be right. I, wanna, I don't want to promote mistruth in the world. So I need to really wrestle with is Allah as described in the Quran, uh, the one true God as Muslims claim he is, or is Yahweh as manifested in Jesus, the one true God. And as I studied these more, there was historical evidence to point both ways, but still for me, it boiled down to there's a whole lot of people like billions that say it's Jesus. And there's a whole lot of people, billions that say it's Muhammad and Allah. And I remember praying and I had read through the Quran at that point, And I remember praying and getting to this crisis point where I was just like, God, I'm going to make a decision here <laughs> and I will grow. You know, I had a guy who was as white as can be. He was redhead uh, who was in the Muslim student association and wore a full traditional Muslim dress to college every day with a traditional headpiece uh, and a full long red beard. And he was as white as could be. I was like, I will do that, God, if that's what it means to truly follow you. I'll dress like that guy. I'll I'll go and join the Muslims, you know, I'll marry a Middle Eastern, whatever. Uh, And so I, I was ready to do that. And I remember God saying, I've described myself as love. And and I was reading through the Quran, and, and uh, there was a lot of ways to describe God in the Quran, but none of them said God is love. Said God is merciful. He is loving, but not like He sacrificially is love in the way I knew Jesus. And uh, I felt this powerful voice, not audible, but it might as well have been, say, "That's not me. I'm here, and that's not me. That's not the God." That you know. And the book was shut. And then about the same time, my physics professors were criticizing everything to do with Christianity and saying that, you know, the New Testament was written by a bunch of Christians drunk on wine in the catacombs under Rome, you know, in the year 300 or 400 AD, so 400 years after, making just crazy statements that I had never learned. I didn't know whether they were right or wrong. Um, they were making fun of the idea that God exists. They were teaching, um, you know, not theistic evolution. So, um, atheistic evolution as scientific fact. And I could see all kinds of holes in their argument in places where I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute, where'd you get that? And it just really led me to another crisis of faith about the same time. And I remember uh, sitting by the fountain at my college, uh, pouring through the book of Romans and the book of Romans. And God has that passage in the book of Romans where he says they exchange the truth about God for a lie and they worship those idols made uh, in human likeness in other words we start worshiping what god created and i don't know what is a greater example of doing that than looking at evolution or the biology around you and going oh all of that didn't, that just happened and we humans are the greatest developed evolution and so the future's up to us Whereas God says, that didn't just happen, I'm in control of the future, and the future's up to me. Your worship and intention should be here. And it felt like this clear voice yet again from God saying, like, it's no wonder that people who are far from me worship with their time, their efforts, their studies, the things they do, because they've just continued paganism uh, that humanity has always struggled with in a new form. It's now called atheistic evolution. And that's what you're seeing. And it was like this, I, I almost fell backwards on the grass. I was like, whoa, like this is supernatural. This God really does exist. He just, he kept answering those questions as i study his word. And like you said, peel back the curtain. And it was like, you saying like, hey, Josh, are you listening? I'm here and I'm talking directly to you where you're at right now.
0: That story is so cool um, to see the way that God spoke to
1: you a big reason why I'm in ministry.
0: Well, let's dive into John and see what God has for us there today. John 21 is the Bible study that we are going off of today. So in John 21, Jesus, as it says in verse 1, is going to reveal himself again to the disciples. Um, He's just revealed himself to them right when Thomas says, you know, I'm not going to believe unless Mm I... You know, put my hands in his holes and put my hand in his side, and Jesus reappears in Thomas, And so now Jesus is reappearing again. Uh, so let's see what happens there. John 21 verse one. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberius, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the Twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, "I'm going fishing." They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. yet The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Hmm. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish.
1: Hmm.
0: So one thing that you mentioned right before we started is they could have easily said jesus you know or whoever this guy is they don't know it's jesus yet so they they could easily say what are you you're just just some random guy why would we put the net over there where you we're, we're experienced fishermen we've been doing this our whole lives mm-hmm. we've been fishing all night long we haven't found anything why would you how dare you how dare you tell us
1: yeah to they're, place they're, it over there they pride you know could better. have taken yeah their pride could have taken over definitely so
0: what are some reasons why we sometimes don't
1: listen to jesus's advice well this just came to me um it says right here why at least partially may not have uh they may have been tempted not to at first they didn't recognize it was his voice yeah i mean how often is that for us we're not we're not really familiar with the bible we're not familiar with how god speaks or who god is and so when he shows up unannounced and gives us a piece of advice we're not able to discern it because we don't recognize it that's that's part of it absolutely yeah. The Bible says the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, mm-hmm.
0: but the only way to know the voice of the shepherd is to hear him speak. Like you're saying, we have to be in scripture. We have to know who he is, the way that he speaks, what his values are so that when we hear it, his voice in something it's from some other source. Mm-hmm. We can say,
1: does this line up? Is this really God speaking to me? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sometimes, uh, I won't say amused because I don't want to seem dismissive. I am interested. It's It's perplexing to me to see people say, uh, you know, well, i really struggle to hear God's voice. I mean, even Christ followers. And they'll say, well, I'm not really in Scripture. And then at the same time, either those same folks or other folks saying like, I think I heard God talking through Dr. Phil. I think I heard God talking through Oprah. Or, you know, what that political candidate said, that really, that must have been God's voice. Or my friend mentioned this. Or I was talking to this mystic friend I have. And whatever. And any of that is like, well, we know that God's out there and speaking or something supernatural. And yet he's given us not an all-inclusive, like he cannot speak in any other way, but he's given us like a, a framework for us to match up how he speaks to in his word. And we sometimes ignore it and we ignore spending time with him as our shepherd, which means sometimes uh, he does take us by surprise and we don't know what to do uh, with a message he might be sending our way, even on little things, uh, because we can't check it against what is established as the way that he speaks. Absolutely.
0: One of my favorite times of history is the Reformation. And this was a huge issue in the Reformation. Right. One of the major issues, not between This new Lutheran, you know, reformed movement and the Catholics, but actually within the reformed movement Mm. between, you know, those who are Lutheran, those who were followers of Zwingli and those who are Anabaptists. And, you know, there were certain sects of Anabaptism that said, we hear mystical voices, we hear, you know, whatever. uh, And these are the voice of God speaking to us and said, we will find our truth in these experiences that we've had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the large, you know, response of the Reformed movement was no, we need to find our truth in scripture. Right. And that's one of the five solas is sola scriptura. Um, Not saying, like you said, that this is the only source of truth, right? That this is an all inclusive source of truth, but it's an authoritative source of truth. It is always true in every single word. And as a whole, Right. So when we do have those experiences, because God does speak in other ways, but when we do have those experiences, we can turn back to the Bible and say, does this line up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's even more interesting there is there are things that the go back to the Reformation movement or the Reformed movement. You know, you uh, go, okay, there are things about each of those groups that I agree with. Yeah. So ways that they were listening to God's voice through scripture, through the combination of scripture and experience that were more accurate than the others. So there are things where I go, well, why didn't Martin Luther take his theology further? Like, why didn't he question the Catholic church on this practice? Cause that doesn't really fit with scripture, you know? And it's just this idea that again, I think we may have talked about it last week. Scripture is living and active sharper than any two edged sword. And the idea of the two edged sword is it cuts both ways. So it can be wielded against a lack of truth out there, but it also can be wielded, you know, we need to be careful lest it be wielded against a lack of truth inside us or an error on our part, Um, that it's not something that's safe for anyone to take for granted or to think they have mastered. It's always to be handled with a sense of humility and openness and exploration and willingness to be corrected, knowing that its job is there to cut truth from deception um, and hope from, from hopelessness and things like that. Absolutely.
0: One of the greatest things that I learned while I was at Moody reading a book and it said something to the effect of the Bible is here to change us. So if we come to the Bible and we're not changed, we're not reading it correctly Mm. because that's what the Bible does. We are broken people. Every bent of our soul is against what the Bible says and the Bible comes and it changes us Mm. and it reveals to us truth that we couldn't know. That we don't believe, like you said, we've exchanged, you know, the wisdom of God for the foolishness of men because we've turned to these idols. And because of that, we can't see the truth without the Bible. And so if we come to the Bible Mm -hmm. and we
1: wield it as a sword against others without realizing that it's here to change us too. Yeah, it'll cut us too. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a, so that's one reason why we don't, I think here, Jesus, more we don't recognize his voice, but I mean, there are others, right? We talked about pride. How often do we start to kind of sense, ooh, God might be using that person or this passage or this development of my life to help me change course, help me benefit if I would just allow it? You know, in this case, He's trying to help him. You know, He's saying like, hey, I'll give you a miraculous catch of fish. Just, uh, you guys are out there trying to do it all on your own. Do what I say. You know, uh, how often does our pride lead us to be like, no God, I'm going to do it on my own. No God. Uh, you know, God, you're real, you're good at running the universe, but I'm good at running my business or I'm good at running this ministry or I'm good at running my household or I'm good in my marriage. You're good at running the universe, God, but you can't be bothered with the details here. So sorry. Um, you you, stop giving me advice. I think that's just a natural human tendency in our prideful state to say, who are you to give me advice? Right. Yeah. And to shoot the messenger. So they could have totally looked at him and been like, we're in the boat, we've got the nets, you're hanging out on the shore, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why did they listen to him? And you ask yourself, why? if they didn't recognize it was him at first, why did they do it? Frankly, I think they were so exasperated and desperate in that moment after spending... They're, they're not in a good, healthy emotional state. You can sense this. Uh, that's why they're not out doing the work Jesus has for them. They're they're kind of in hiding. They're kind of hanging out ways north from where they should have be on the you know shore of a lake by themselves, going fishing for a meal or to sell or business, make money, whatever it is their intentions are with it. But they they, they easily, you know, they could have just uh, not taken his advice, but I think they, they are just exasperated. They're like, um, whatever, we'll try it. And then it's like, whoa. And that that sparks the realization of who maybe this is.
0: And isn't that sometimes what God has to let us do? He has to let us get to a point of desperation and exhaustion before we listen to Him.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how often do we spend the night? uh, This is a, a really powerful imagery for me. How often do I spend the night toiling, trying to catch a fish, trying to turn over every rock, trying to cross every T and dot every I so that I can feel like I can rest? I do it all the time. It's part of the reason why I have a hard time sleeping a lot, because I just, my mind doesn't shut off, you know, and I and it's like he's looking at them, going like, my my version is kind of comical, the translation I have says he doesn't ask them, children, have you no fish? He, he goes, men, you don't have any fish, do you? And I just find that comment, it's like he's kind of poking at them. Yeah. And you, they could have also rejected him, because they're ticked, they're angry. Yeah. Like, you know, thanks Captain Obvious, you know, now we're definitely not going to do it. you say just because we're peeved. But yeah, God's got to let us run, run to the end of ourselves in our own power and then demonstrate like, Hey, even if you were to have caught fish overnight, guess who would have been giving that to you? Yeah. Me like I'm the source. Don't forget that.
0: Something in this that really, you know, speaks to me, that kind of jumps out to me is that even if we know that we have that pride Mm-hmm. that you talked about that mm-hmm. sometimes causes us to to not listen to Jesus. Even if we know about that, sometimes that's not even just that is sufficient for us to get over it,
1: you mm-hmm. know,
0: because that pride is hard to get over. It's not something that you can just snap and go, okay, it's gone, you know, right. It's something that, you know, oftentimes it'll linger even if you know about it. And I think that's really important to know and to keep in mind. I mean, for me, it's a struggle every day to, to say, you know, God, I trust you with my happiness. Mm. I trust you with my joy. Uh, you know, and that's something I've known for a long time, but it's it's a, still a struggle every day to say, you know, God, I give this up to you and I trust that you will make me happier than anything else could ever. Mm. And, you know, it's a struggle not only to do that, but it's also a struggle to to say that, to realize that, that I, I don't trust him in that area. Mm-hmm. It's hard to speak that. Yep. But it's something we have to do because, you know, the first step to getting over a problem is recognizing it.
1: Yeah, that's a big struggle. But
0: that's not the only step.
1: Yeah, a <laughs> struggle for me as an introvert. And as a uh, if anybody on here is listening and you've taken the strength finder um, or the disc or whatever, I, I, I always come out as like a high D and a high achiever, which means I don't rest until I feel like I've achieved enough, which is almost never. Which is really almost every day is never the case and just chilling is a real hard thing for me but there's this specter in my mind that if I get enough done during the day, if I achieve, if I cross off that imaginary list, I'll sleep better that next night because I've done, I've, I've achieved, I've accomplished um, and that really affects your happiness. And the other side of that as an introvert is sometimes we can be so out of balance uh, with our alone time and our thinking about our introvertedness or how much social activity we do or don't have that even the thought of spending time with Jesus is overwhelming. Because it's like, well, not another thing. Like that's interaction, and we miss the fact that staying connected to him, spending that time with him, and giving up our own strength is the very thing we rely on to help us with all other areas of life. Cutting that just starts to make the whole thing wither, shrivel up. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know, tree planted by the water. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The tree, tree planted by living water. Or the one left without a source of uh, life and something to stay connected to. Yeah. So let's move on. John. I'll take this next one. Go ahead. So we're starting back up in verse 7. And it says, Therefore the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. So we're... A comment this past Sunday said that this might be Lazarus. I I don't know that that's true. Um, Church tradition has always said that this is John writing this, and that's how John refers to himself. So I'm going to move forward just believing that that's John. So John's on the boat, and Peter and the older guys, John was the youngest, are sitting there fishing. And he's watching. Maybe he's not got the best work ethic either. You know, maybe he's kind of watching them struggle to pull in this net now. He's been sleeping in the back of the boat, like just kind of like, all right guys, I'm with you, but when are we going to catch anything? And so he's observing and, uh, somebody on our discussion, uh, this past Sunday said, you know, maybe John was the only one that recognized Jesus. Cause he wasn't the only, he wasn't the one counting fish. So he's like looking around at what's going on and seeing and everybody else just focused on how much money did I get? How, 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 how much fish do I have? Like, oh, goody. Yeah. We're happy because we have a lot of this. Um, so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him for he was stripped. So I don't think he was naked, but maybe he was. I don't know. But now he's not. And he jumps into the lake. But since they were not far from land, about a 100 yards, so like a football field, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When it got on land, they saw charcoal fire there and the fish uh, lying on it and bread. I, I don't know. I want to pause here and just say, let's go back to that thing. Why do you think they were so all so stunned that it ended up being Jesus? They, John, Peter seems his reaction to me says that he was truly when John said it, he was truly stunned, amazed, and his reaction is this joyous one of like being taken by complete surprise. Why did that? Why was that the case? I mean, I, I guess the simple answer is they just they didn't
0: see. What was supposed to be happening, Hmm. you know, going back to that analogy that we talked about on Sunday of, you know, driving down the road and, you know, either, you know, Peter is going to be the first one to see Jesus or he's going to be so focused on the road that he he doesn't even notice there's somebody out there,
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: you know, in my mind, this is, you know, them driving down the road and Peter suddenly sees the exit he's supposed to take. And they're all the way on the other side of the highway, but he wrenches the wheel over and the whole car lurches and everybody flies against the wall. You know, um, like you said, the surprise, uh, you know, they just didn't see it coming. I mean, I guess that's a simple answer to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what I keep seeing with this is their eyes weren't open. Yeah. I mean, all through Jesus's suffering, execution, resurrection, any number of them have shown their eyes weren't open. Like Peter's eyes weren't open enough to be aware of what was happening when he denied Jesus three times. They as a group, their eyes weren't open enough to realize how important it would have been to walk with Jesus through his death and suffering. Only John was there at the foot of the cross. The rest of them were afraid. They, they completely missed uh, the moment of what was going on. And then when Jesus was resurrected the next morning, they were all in fear, hiding in their room, John comes and sees the burial cloths put aside in the tomb and it says he believed because to that point, their eyes weren't opened. They did not understand what was going on. And then even after that, so Jesus comes to them later that day and you'd think that they have this, you know, joyful experience. Now they're ready to go preach. Nope. It was just John and Peter. So they're still hiding locked for fear of the Jews in the upper room. And Jesus has to teleport into their, Place and go like, for real, peace be with you, get going. They still don't do it. A week later, <laughs> Thomas, maybe the rest of them believe, but they're still locked in the upper room so that it hasn't changed what they're doing in any way. And Thomas goes, unless I see him, unless my eyes are opened and he physically is here. I'm not, I'm not going to believe. And you just see repeatedly that though Jesus is resurrected and there's this new life and this mission for them to be a part of, they're, they're missing it. Their vision is cloudy before now. To me, that's just a reminder to listen to the Spirit because,
0: you know, thinking back to the days before we were Christians— that time period for me was just, there was so much doubt. There was so much confusion. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't grasp a hold of truth, of real truth and keep it. It was just something that was so elusive and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not something that I could even grab. And that's the situation these guys are in because they don't have the spirit, you know, until Acts, until Pentecost. And, you know, I just wonder what it was it like to be with Jesus and not have the spirit, you know, that there's that conflict of here's truth right in front of you, but how much could they really understand? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's a reminder to us to, to listen to the Spirit, take advantage of that. Because if we don't listen to the Spirit, we could very well fall into the same traps that these guys do. Mm-hmm. We have truth right in front of us, and it's so obvious, uh, but we just can't grab a hold
1: of it. Mm. Yeah. And how much joy and how much inner turmoil have they experienced by their vision being closed, by them being distracted by their fear, or in this case, their stomachs, you know, or their comfort or their uncertainty, their doubt, whatever it is. They've missed key moments through this whole Jesus. Like this is the most important part of Jesus's ministry. And most of these guys have missed key moments again and again and again. But Lucky for Peter, it doesn't seem he intends to miss any more of them. (laughs) Now, jumps right on in that lake and gets going over there. Verse
0: 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Hmm. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Hmm. So what, this is such such a tender moment. Yep jesus saying come and have breakfast with me and that was the whole idea of the bible study which we just had was jesus taking this moment to have a tender moment with his disciples to have a relational moment mm-hmm. to sit there in the quiet and just be with them
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it, especially in this time period of, of quarantine of right uh, you know not being able to be with other people um you know we have some opportunities to just sit with god you know, whether it's in the midst of chaos in a house that is, you know, children flying everywhere, or Mm -hmm. if it's, we're just with one other person, maybe by ourselves and the majority of our time is quiet, you -hmm. know, how is God speaking to us? And we have very, you know, one of those experiences is yours. One of those experiences is mine. How do we, you know, listen to God saying in today's day, come and have breakfast with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. You said this is such a tender moment. It really, you, you almost can imagine that his invitation is positive. It's joyful, but it's also soft. It's simple. And it's not like, come on guys, let's have a feast. No, he's saying like, come on guys, have breakfast with me. And it's, and it's an, it's an, both an invitation and a question, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm here waiting. What are you going to choose? You're going to choose to enjoy this moment? Or are you too busy counting your fish? You know, and it's just that same, same type of tender voice. I imagine him speaking with Mary, speaking to Mary with in the garden when he asks her her questions and she's so distraught. And, and she goes, I don't know where they have taken my Lord away. If you've taken him, tell me. And he just whispers, Mary. It's that same like you know, it's almost, it's almost like the, 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 the cooling water, the soothing water being dumped on a burning fire in our soul, just like a life in torment going like, I feel so unsure. And you hear that and it's just this like gentle breeze of like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Here he is. And I think it is a very important question for all of us to ask each, uh, you know, ourselves. How is Jesus inviting me? You know, what is Jesus inviting me into right now? How is he inviting me to, quote unquote, have breakfast? No, I don't think he wants us to cook up, you know, some trout right now with some stone baked bread, but maybe he does. I don't know. That might be your thing. But he is inviting each of us into some quiet place, some simple everyday moment with him, each of us individually. And like you said, it looks for different for each person, but he is offering that. And it's really a question to us whether we're going to take him up on it. Yeah. And
0: just to, to camp for just a moment on what you were talking about, the, the invitation and the beauty of it, you know, it's, it's him, it's kind of love that we don't see in the world because this is such a different invitation mm-hmm. than we see the people of our world making. It's because of that love, you know, him saying, you know, I desire to spend time with you, but I'm not going to force you to. Mm-hmm. And if you choose not to, that's your decision. But I'm inviting you now. Please take advantage of it because I want to be with you. And like you said, it's a gentle breeze. There's just so much love in that. For me, the way that I'm hearing God say, come and have mm-hmm. breakfast, is taking time in the quiet moments to listen. Mm. Because f- for me, a lot of my time is quiet. And I just, you know, whether that's in the middle of the day, whether it's mm-hmm. in the morning, whether it's at nighttime, I'm just looking to fill up that with something. Right. And it's something that Louis C.K. talks about, um, you know, I don't obviously endorse everything about Louis C.K., but he, you know, he has a really interesting way of observing the world around him. And, you know, there's this one time where he talks about when we go on trips and we're driving, mm-hmm. we, you know, we listen to music or we listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and we try to just fill it up because we're so scared
1: of silence. Maybe they're listening to the Holding Out Hope podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in that case, don't turn it off. But, uh,
0: <laughs> no, J.K. Uh, But, you know, the idea of we're just trying to fill up the silence because we're so scared of of the silence. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, God is calling me right now to take advantage of the silence, to sit back, turn things off, turn off my mind, whatever I'm thinking about, and spend a little time with him.
1: Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I pray. I mean, we have some both uh, older adults who live alone or live with just roommates and younger adults who also live with roommates um, or on their own right now. And my prayer is if you're listening to this or if you're a young adult right now and your world has been turned upside down and it's usually so full of community and vibrancy and noise, you know, sound input from others that you will really see this as the opportunity that it is uh, because you're, you're unlikely to get something like this back. Anytime soon. Now I've got a bunch of parents that are listening to this too, going like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like what quiet, what silence. Um, and if you're listening to this, especially our mothers, you know, mother's Day is right around the corner, you know, or fathers who are trying to juggle working from home and being productive for their job and the livelihood for their family or mothers that are trying to do the same, uh, and juggle kids and schooling at the same time, both mothers and fathers can be in that boat. Um, Let me just tell you, as a pastor, uh, our household has none of it figured out either. Uh, It's not like uh, we get up every day and say, oh, my kids are just angels, and they're not making any messes, and they're not making any noise, and we can take a very streamlined walk and have a meal at this time, and everything goes to plan, get homeschool done, work on these things, and the house will be clean in the evening, and we can just relax, and there will be quiet time then. Uh, Man, we're going to have to fight to accept Jesus's invitation, despite whatever our personal circumstances are and whatever noise are threatening to cloud that out so even if you're alone and you don't have somebody else's noise the world is still full of noise whether that's on social media or things you're exposing yourself to or media that you're choosing to ingest right now um, stuff you're looking at online that could be clouding your vision you know, whoever you are out there all of us are fighting the same battle of the world is, we have this opportunity to draw close and draw quiet with God and yet the world is desperately trying to fight against that. And, and the reason why is because we feel more isolated than ever from one another. And so if we can also be isolated from God's voice, then we truly, truly will feel alone. And uh, Satan can wreak all kinds of havoc with that, with our emotions, our mental state, uh, our spiritual state, our relationships. He can do all kinds of damage once he makes us feel cut off from one another and cut off from God. So for me, um, there's no, you know, some mornings we take a walk and it goes really good and I'm able to begin with that. This morning wasn't one of those. Um, I, you know, it just, it just didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like the things were lining up and it felt like being around even my family was adding to the noise and the clutter. And so the next quiet opportunity will not be until after the kids are in bed. I mean, we're probably talking till. Nine thirty or 10 at night. And so for a lot of us parents out there, those last minutes before you need to go to bed, to try and get your rest to take on another day are going to be vital what you choose to do with them. I make poor choices quite frequently as far as that goes, where I find myself just so, uh, blunted, you know, just beaten by the day and the noise and the, and the chaos of the day that then in the evening, I'm just kind of vegging, I'm trying to get things done still, but it's just not productive probably would be better served to dedicate that reflective time to God and go sit quietly on my back porch or in my front yard and just reflect than it would to fill it with any more activity, achievement, media, that kind of thing. And yet in the moment, that's the last thing I feel like I want to do is accept the invitation. Yeah. I, uh, you know,
0: I'm a very different person than you in that regard of the achievement, but in this time of you know, there's a lot of quiet in my life. I, I have this feeling of, this is not a no- feeling that I normally have, but, you know, I commiserate with that of, you know, if I don't achieve, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Um, and that that's hitting me especially hard right now, because it's like, you know, if I'm not doing something, then I'm doing nothing. Mm. And, uh, you know, that, that's driving me to, to really Uh, put those other things aside that are really important. You know, those things of taking those quiet moments or, you know, Mm -hmm. making those decisions of this is a time I need to spend with the Lord uh, in favor of, I need to just continue to work or what's my value as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, it's so important for us right now because we are cut off from the community around us. So we feel alone in that regard. And if we allow ourselves to be cut off from God, Mm -hmm. we will truly be alone. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's when Satan can come in and like you said wreak havoc yeah well you can imagine God may want to use this time to eliminate distractions and voices to help us focus in on him. Mm-hmm. Satan wants to use this mm-hmm. time to eliminate all voices included in his so that we're left only with our own thoughts and our own yeah. loneliness um, which really uh, just translates into a different state of chaos uh, because then all your thoughts your mind you're just you're just... Uh, you're just very vulnerable to being blown around by whatever you read on Facebook or whatever you saw in the nightly news or whatever you read in that article Mm -hmm. from that source you trust or whatever that just can wreak havoc on your soul because it's the only voice going in and God's or no encouraging voices from others uh, are really getting in there.
0: I will say that I, uh, this morning or last night I saw someone posted on social media and they said that this quarantine has done wonders for their spiritual life. Mm. And Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. And I pray that all of us can take that opportunity to be there.
1: Yeah. And it's not too late to start, guys. Yeah. If the first few weeks of this, you were just optimistic, oh, it'll be over soon, and you kind of took a break from really reflecting on that time with God, it's not too late to start. Uh, You know, if you need help doing that, we have Bible studies, uh, little reflections that we do on Tuesday evenings and Friday evenings at 8.15 on our Facebook page. And we're just going through the book of Philippians together. So if all it is for you is that you go through the book of John and book of Philippians together, and that's the Bible you get in the week, uh, our desire for this, podcast even uh, holding out hope podcast is to be another vehicle of God's voice into your life I know that that sounds like it conflicts with what we just said but that's why we're not trying to talk about you know the the you know, business of cats who love sports or whatever it was that Spotify was talking to me about, about the random podcasts that were out there. No, we're, we're just going to focus right on God's word, what it means for us. And hopefully he can use that to segue into directly what it means for your life, whatever circumstance you're facing right now. Absolutely.
0: So let's finish out this uh, chapter.
1: Yeah. See um, what God has to say in the rest of it. So I'll, I'll, I'll move on from verse 12 here. He says, Jesus told them, Uh, So coming to have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was God. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to them after he was raised from the dead. And I love that we were talking about this before we started today's podcast. It's just why why does John make a note to say, none of them asked him, who are you? Because they knew. Why does he have to say that? Well, because obviously Jesus never announced who he was. He never, it's not like he said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, by the way, it's me. Like throw the net in. Um, and just what's the significance of that, that this time Jesus doesn't make, doesn't feel any need to make a big announcement or big show of who he is. Instead, he just quietly helps them out and then invites them to have breakfast.
0: You know, something that's really interesting to me is, Looking at entertainment, looking at our mm-hmm. society, looking at you know those through a lens of seeing the base desires of our human form, and I don't mean base as in like you know evil or whatever. I just mean like the fundamental desires of who we are as humans. Because I think that shows us a little bit. You know, um, it's not authoritative like scripture, but it you know shows us a little bit about who God is, about the way mm-hmm. that He's designed us. Um, and to me, this reminds me of you know, tropes in entertainment of, you know, famous people who meet someone and that person doesn't know who they are, Mm -hmm. but falls in love with them or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, develops a friendship with them. And it's this, you know, moment of bonding between these people. And, you know, this trope is used over and over again because it's this idea of, you know, someone who's famous, you know, they get all this attention all the time because of Mm -hmm. the fame of their name or, you know, because of what they do, Mm -hmm. but, it, it's not real love. It's not, you know, people loving them for who they are. Mm. And so when someone meets them who doesn't know the fame of their name or the, or the fame of what they do and yet still loves them, it, it's even more beautiful. And I think that relates to this in, in the idea of Jesus a lot of times doesn't announce himself and, you know, where he is in our lives right. because he wants us to come to him and love him for who he really is, not just because he has
1: the name. Right. He wants us to love his name, of course, but he wants us to love. Who he is. Oh, and he doesn't want us to just love him for what he can do. The yeah. choose, choose to spend time with him to see his next miracle work or what he can do. But he's inviting them just to enjoy his presence in this little moment. And what you were saying about how he doesn't – it reminds me of the book of Luke where he appears to the two on the road to Emmaus. And he doesn't announce himself at all. He sits there and they're having this nice theological debate discussion about who Jesus really was. They thought he was the Messiah, but now they're not so sure. So you get the idea that these were kind of periphery followers of his, Uh, maybe somebody who had spent time with him, but not very, uh, not like these guys that we're talking about today. And so Jesus comes and walks with them, goes all the way home, shares food with them. And it says, when he broke the bread and gave it to them, then the act of him doing that Opened their eyes. I don't know if they were just too distraught to realize who it was before, or that he literally looked different. I I don't know what the situation was, but he served them the bread, and they go, "Yes, the bread of life. Here he is. It's Jesus." Um, And he he did that several times in the appearances that are recorded. He just kind of drops in and says, "Hey, I'm going to take a walk with you, and then share dinner. I'm going to share breakfast with you. How you doing?" Uh, that kind of thing and just sees whether their their eyes are open once again uh, to who he is without him having to like you know make a big show of himself like genie and Aladdin who has to sing himself a song and prove his might before Aladdin will take him seriously G- Jesus shows no uh no desire no um no concern even of doing that here yeah he just wants a relationship
0: you know, it all goes back to that yeah
1: Absolutely. So the relationship piece here, um, we were, I was looking at this and uh, thinking more about it. We thought this would be interesting to talk about um, what are, well, here's an interesting note as well. Uh, How powerful is it that Jesus being the resurrected Jesus, he just helped them catch the breakfast. But then they come and sit, they're tired. They've been, they've been working all night, Uh, maybe foolishly, maybe it's their own fault that they were working all night they've been working all night and Jesus has compassion on them mercy on them in the form of he cooks them a breakfast he invites them to come join him and then he serves it to them like he this imagery of him going first him sacrificing him serving goes until like the very last appearance he has with them he's still doing that where you might expect that he having conquered death having been resurrected now would say like okay guys cook my fish You know, I I enjoy a little bit of butter on my bread, you know, or or whatever it is. Instead, he says, here, let me serve you one more time.
0: And Uh, alongside that, you know, we see within the big picture, this has Jesus coming to them and saying, you know, what are you still doing? I've come to you several times and you're still not going out and doing what I've called you to do. You know, it's the idea of Jesus, you know, coming to to say, you know, get off your butts and go start doing it. And yet he doesn't you know, come and cause a huge storm to kick them off the lake or, you know, bring them in and start yelling at them. He doesn't put a hole in their boat. Exactly. (laughs) He meets them where they're at and says, you're exhausted. Let's just have a meal. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I'm like you said, I'm not even going to make you serve me. I'm going to serve you because I know that's what you need right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Man, that's challenging though. I mean, how many, how, how easily do we get tired of putting others first and serving them? And Mm -hmm. Jesus did it to the very last moments of his life. I mean, was there ever a moment where there was the one time where Mary uh, pours perfume on his feet and washes his feet with her hair? Was there any other time that somebody really, really served Jesus? I mean, they they took his body down from the cross after he was gone and they laid him in a tomb so that he wouldn't be eaten by crows, you know, wouldn't be eaten by by carrion birds. But uh, other than that, there's very few times throughout all of scripture where somebody serves Jesus, except for the wise men who bring him gifts when he was a little boy. Most of the other times, it's always Jesus giving to others, always Jesus giving to others. Yeah, I think those are two really
0: big things that we should learn from this passage from Jesus is that servanthood nature to always be serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's always, it, it's hard to have that mindset all the time because, you know, we're so naturally focused on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But that's what Jesus did, and he was God of the universe. He had every mm-hmm. right to demand others to serve him, but he didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's nature of a servant mm-hmm. that we could learn from. But also, you know, uh, like I was talking about, the nature of meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. and meeting their needs where they're at and calling them to get off their butts and do whatever God is calling them to do, mm-hmm. Finding the balance between that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jesus doesn't come back and go, "Well, you guys decided not to go out. Okay, I understand it. You know, just keep fishing." Mm-hmm. But like I said, he doesn't come and start
1: yelling at them either. Mm-mm. No, they were in a they're in a delicate place where they probably wouldn't have responded well to that. They probably only mm-hmm. would have responded with shame, mm-hmm. uh, and that would have kept them further in hiding mm-hmm. and not doing what God wanted them to do.
0: And that's big for us
1: as leaders in the church, but it's big for every single
0: Christian, because that's going to be our, you know, our testimony to the world mm-hmm. is when we serve them, show them our love in a sacrificial, actual way that's born out in our action and also loves them in a way that says, I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to meet your needs, but I'm not going to let you wallow in your sin. That's going to cause you death. I'm not going to let you wallow in death. I'm going to call you out of it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do we how do we accept Jesus's invitation to meet us where we're at right now? Then, in this, and what does responding to the rest of this coronavirus season look like uh, in terms of healthy practices, emotionally, relationally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically? What does that look like? What are what are how are you guys? And we're asking this to those of you listening to this uh, to reflect. How are you? Uh, Making it through this coronavirus recovery, um, shutdown, wherever you see that phase is right now. What does this mean for you and what have you been doing to be healthy in a holistic sense?
0: If I understand your question correctly, you know, for me, that speaks in two different ways.
1: I I like the lists
0: of things. That's the way my mind works. Uh, Number one, to take advantage. Mm. of the way that God is meeting our needs. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we've been talking about, you know, in, in God, in Jesus saying, come and have breakfast Mm -hmm. and you know what that looks like for us in our individual quarantine lives, you know, take advantage of the way that God is going to meet your needs. If you come and sit with him, Mm -hmm. if you take time to have that relationship with God in this time, he will meet those needs. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, you know, if if you're worried about the situation, if you're, you know, going stir crazy, if you're getting fed up with how things are going right now, come and God will meet those needs. Mm -hmm. And then second, be listening for what he's calling you to do, Mm -hmm. because he's going to be calling you to do something. Mm -hmm. If it's something big, if it's a huge life change that you need to make, or if it's something little, if it's just a heart attitude, if it's, you know, like I was saying before with me, just to have that trust to know that God will take care of my happiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for me, from a practical standpoint, I think it's really important for all of us on here to begin. Uh, if we don't feel like we're in a healthy place now to make some lifestyle choices, uh, you know, maybe you are a parent and you're going, I really don't have a lot of time for extended Bible study right now. Maybe after the kids are in bed or if I'm an early riser before they get up, I can squeeze some time. So I want to give you some suggestions Uh, First off, it's been sunny for days right now. Get out in the sun. Take a walk with your family, uh, even around the the neighborhood. See the mountain covered in snow still. Take it in uh, in, and interpret it as the love letter that it is of God's grace to you and wanting to meet you where you're at. Um, get sunshine. That'll, that'll not only just improve your mood, but it'll literally fortify your immune system so that, uh, if you should be exposed to anything, hopefully you're able to fight it off better. So it'll improve your state of your heart, which is important for your healthy immune system, but it will also help your body function better, um, uh, in, in making breakfast, you know, take time to garden if that's your thing. Take time to read in the evenings if that's your thing. Take time to enjoy that cup of coffee if that's your thing. Take the walk. Go on the run. Um, lift the weights. Even if you can't lift what you usually do, do a little bit of it. Pick up the phone. Have that phone call with that that trusted mentor or mentee or friend who is really a reflection of jesus's voice and 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 his presence in your life do those things to really intentionally take care of yourself emotionally and mentally and relationally now just as much as you are doing physically and all those things combined will put you in a pretty healthy spiritual place um, to move forward through the rest of this and then beyond with what we don't see what god has ahead of us to be in a You know, a good overall healthy place and not give in to the depression, the loneliness, the feeling of a lack of achievement or isolation or lack of routine that is just driving so many of us crazy right now. Yeah,
0: I I think that, you know, a lot of that finding where God is speaking is so important because, you know, he speaks to all of us in different ways and we all connect with him in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, finding that relationship finding that place where god is calling us to have breakfast because he's calling us to different places Mm -hmm. you know he met these disciples next to the lake on the shore and he meets us he doesn't call us to that same place he calls us to somewhere else Mm -hmm. you know wherever that may be for us um like you're talking about there's all kinds of ways that we can meet god uh i know you know for me one thing that was really helpful to finding where I met God was this book called what's your God language. And it's kind of one of those mm. personality type things, but it's more about where do you meet God? Mm-hmm. And it has all these different, you know, sections of, you know, this is, you know, tradition or nature or,
1: wow, is there know. one where you're alone in nature? Is yeah. That one of them. That's me.
0: Yeah. That's 100% me. My biggest one was tradition, you know, mm. for me to, you know, one of the big ways that I connect with God is, um, you know, like I would, you know, I'm sure you could see this when we, we did communion this last mm-hmm. Sunday was to see the the whole tradition of communion and where it came from before Jesus instituted it as a Christian tradition, mm-hmm. as, you know, an institution of the church. Where was it before that? Mm-hmm. Because I really believe, you know, as we see in the New Testament, that God has taken the old things and used them in a new way in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He's taken the old covenant and he's changed it and he's made a new covenant and you know it doesn't mean that you know the old covenant is you know we're still under the old covenant you know Mm -hmm. we're under the new covenant now but if we look back at the old covenant that's why we still the old testament it shows us a lot of who god is and what he means for us to do the way Mm -hmm. that he means for us to live and so looking back at tradition you know whether it's things like that, like the way that the Jews used the unleavened bread and the glasses of wine before Jesus instituted his communion, or if it's something, you know, some tradition from the Reformation that's, mm-hmm. you know, 600 years old. Um, just for me, knowing that people have connected to God through some tradition, um, wants me, it makes me want to learn about the tradition and how people have done it so I can do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that book is, you know, a great resource for that. If you're having a hard time finding how you connect with God, if you've tried all these different things, you know, people say, you know, you got to do this. You got to go out in nature and mm-hmm. sit and, you know, pray there, or you got to meditate. And that's where you'll find God. Well, that, that's all just the way that they do. And that might help you. But knowing yourself is going to mm-hmm. be a huge part of that.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: finding where you best connect with God. What's your
1: God language is the name yeah. of the book? Well, who, who's it by? Yeah. Uh, I can find it quick. We can post that in the show notes. All right. Yeah, we can post that in the podcast notes so people find that. There are resources out there, friends, if we can be an encouragement to you uh, with those same things on that exploration journey of trying to identify how you might best connect with God. Uh, Remember, the purpose of that is not, you know, Jesus doesn't share breakfast with them for them to get stuffed and then to take a nap on the lake. His motive in spending this time with them, with reconnecting them with him and enjoying this simple moment, this everyday moment with him and his presence was always designed to motivate them, to remind them of their call to go out and be fishers of men. And I promise you, no matter who you are and where you find yourself right now, wrangling kids, uh, feeling alone and isolated in your home, trying to support family who is sick and far away. On the road, driving right now, whatever your story is, there is somebody in your life right now who needs to be woken up to the hope of Jesus, and they need you to be healthy, or at least in a place of listening and walking, uh, listening to and walking with Jesus, so that you can be used to your greatest good of helping them experience the same. That's always the purpose of Jesus reconnecting. Us to him is that we can be used to connect others to him as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, as we kind of the end here, guys, uh, really encourage you to continue to try to find community in this time. It's so important. Uh, so you can go online to our Facebook page as a church, Hope Colorado Springs. You can connect with people there. You can listen to those Bible studies that Josh was talking about Tuesday, Friday nights. Uh, join us on Sunday morning for our services uh, for our Bible study. Uh, we'll have a live stream there. Uh, you can go on to the Facebook page for holding out hope podcast. Uh, that's up now and you can connect there and and ask questions or, you know, provide answers for questions that we're asking, you know, provide your own little insights and we can uh, talk about those on
1: the podcast. Uh, but yeah, thanks guys so much for listening. Thanks for Uh, joining us, everyone. Love having you. Yep. Have a great week.